we cry out, Jesus. In our desperation, in our longing, we lift our eyes to the heavens. The Savior that was promised reached down to us, becoming flesh. At his entrance, they laid palms at his feet, as today, in his presence, we fall to our knees. We cry out to him, hanging on the cross, the righteous one whose blood broke the curse. With an act of love that saved our souls, overflowing redemption making us whole. No nail to the bones could hold him. No crown of thorns could shame him, because he is the one. No tomb could contain him. Death could not stop him. He conquered the grave and rose from death victorious. We cry out, Jesus, 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 you are the resurrection and the life. In you, all things come alive. We will forever declare the mighty power of your name. We cry out with everything we have. We need you, Savior, and nothing else, because in you, we are saved by grace. Your glory will shine upon the world, and every tongue will cry out, Jesus is the Lord. Well, hey, we'll be talking about the triumphal entry a little bit today, and that's why we're in Luke chapter 11, but really I want to look at this from a different perspective that we normally look at it, which is normally it's they came, it was a wonderful time, that Jesus rode on the donkey, he came in, and, and they waved palm branches, and, and they accepted him as their king. But really, that's not really what happened in this portion of scripture when Jesus went through this, when he ended up coming to Jerusalem. So what happens is at the beginning of chapter 11, he has the conversation with Zacchaeus. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I want to stay at your house today. He goes, Zacchaeus says, Lord, if I've wronged anyone, I'll pay much more than I paid before. And Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house. Well, that brings us to verse 11. Verse 11, if you go there on the slide. Can you go there to uh, verse 11? It says, while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem. He was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So they thought the kingdom's come. He's going to save us from the Romans. That's really the heart. And that's why Jesus tells this parable. The next verse so he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 minas. So minas, that, that would be like $24,000, $25,000 today. Um, so it wasn't, you know, before you had the parable of the talents, which was a lifetime Pay that Jesus tells, this is different. This is about $25,000. And he said to them, do, do business with this until I come back. Next verse, please. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. So this, remember, this is a parable also speaking about Jesus. 
Next verse, please. And then he returned after receiving the kingdom. He ordered that, that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that they might know what business they had done. Following verse, the first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made 10 more minas. And he said to them, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful with very little thing and you are to be given authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, your mina master has made five minas. And he said to them, and you are to be over five cities. Another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I kept and put away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. And he said to them, By your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am did you know that I am exacting man taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you put why did you not put your money in the bank and having come I would have collected it with interest. And he said to the bystanders, "Take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has the 10 minas." And they said to them, "Master, he already, ha he already has 10 minas. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have, it will be taken away. So this is to be taken away. He, he's saying, hey, we're going to entrust it to the one who is faithful with what is given. And he says, but these enemies of mine, and this is the main point, but these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, Bring them here and slay them in my presence. Now, if you could leave that verse up there, please. So that, this is a picture of the Jesus that nobody wants to talk about. So this Jesus, this is, this is the, the part, he's saying, if you don't accept me as king, there, there will be a price to pay. In John chapter 3, at the end of the chapter, it talks about how Jesus says to all who believed in him and the Son of Man, to all who believed in him, they were granted eternal life. But to those who do not believe in him, the wrath of God will remain upon him. So this is a hard, this is a hard verse. It's saying that, that there's a price to pay for Jesus not being king, not being Lord and not being God. Now, we make Jesus our king. We, we want him to be the Lord over our life, or we should. But this is the price that's paid when he's not made king. And how do we know that he is king? Well, can you go to that following verse, please? So what happens is Jesus then, he tells his disciples, go on ahead of him. He'll get a donkey that's never been ridden. Bring it before me. And so they go and get the, they get the donkey, they bring it, they put a, a coat on it, Jesus rides on it. The people shout, uh, come now, son of David, come now, glory in the highest heaven. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And the Pharisees say to Jesus, hey, you need to rebuke your disciples for speaking this way. And he says, if they had not spoken, the rocks 
would cry out, that they would say, he is king, he is Lord. They would testify about me and against people for not, for not uh, agreeing about that I am the king and I should be the Lord to accept me as their king. And then this verse says, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. Next verse, please. Saying, if you had known in this day, even you, Jerusalem, the things which made for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. So he's saying that if you, if you, he's weeping over the city and saying, if you had known, if you had known Jerusalem, what was here today, if you know who was before you, you would have, you would have came out, you would have opened up the gates. Well, that leads me to another scripture, another passage of scripture where Jesus weeps. We see that he weeps over the city. Remember that before he says, bring these enemies before me and slay them. But then he, he, then he it, it's a little confusing to the human mind because he's weeping over the city. Well, shouldn't they just accept him? Well, his heart is that they, they should accept him because he's king. They, they, what happened was they had come they had said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And Hosanna means save now. In Matthew, it's mentioned that they say Hosanna. So he's saying, they're saying save now. They wanted Jesus to come. Remember that earlier verse, uh, in verse 11, that says that, that he told them this parable because they thought the kingdom would come immediately. But Jesus had a greater kingdom that was a heavenly kingdom. I know this sounds a little harsh. <laughs> sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? But but it's gonna be okay, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get back in there. If you could go to the next verse that we have. So in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus, he ends up talking about these cities and he starts weeping over other cities. So we're gonna look at that because we wanna look at the heart of God. Amen, everybody. And then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Following verse Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles which had occurred in Tyre and Sidon occurred in you, you would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. If you could leave that on this verse for a minute. So Jesus is, his heart is always, hey, you, you need to repent and understand that, that I am the savior of the world. So he says, woe to you, Chorazin. Chorazin ended up being destroyed. Bethsaida, and, and then uh, he mentions later uh, Capernaum, but these three cities were, were, are next to each other, just north of the Sea of Galilee. They're very close. This is where Jesus, in the area where Jesus would have healed um, uh, Jairus' daughter, where she would have raised back from the dead. This is also where, uh, where many demon, who were demon-possessed would have been set free. And it was a hot spot for the miracles that happened. It's the place where Peter's uh, mom had been, uh, had been healed and, and where they held, really kind of they ended up holding church later on after Jesus ascended. And uh, it was a, a main place the, these three places were places where Jesus ministered often. But then he says, if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented. So to give everyone a little bit of background, is the, in ancient days, kings would be accepted uh, 
when they come to conquer a city by opening up the gates and the people meeting them in front of the city. And here in Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon both are cities of um, they're uh, cities that that indulge in themselves. They they uh, Sidon actually or Tyre actually represents uh, a city that is anti-Christ because what they would do is they would say we are gods. And they would say, the king is God. He would call himself God. It was an anti-Christ uh, spirit behind it. And, and they would even in Tyre, when, the, when uh, Apostle Paul goes to Tyre, or not Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, when the, uh, Tyre and Sidon, the people from the area go to Herod and they tell Herod, hey, you're a God. It's like in their DNA. And actually uh, the nation of Israel was supposed to conquer both Tyre and Sidon, the tribes of Asher was the tribe of Asher was supposed to, and what happened was because they didn't ta- overtake those nations, it ended up becoming pagan cities that that worshipped. And actually, Sidon was a hot spot for Baal. And actually, uh, Jezebel, the, the the one who was the queen uh, during uh, during the time of Elisha, she was for, she was a princess of Sidon. So it was a very wicked, they were very wicked cities. They were very uh, against the ways of the king of kings and lord of lords saying, we're God. It's like today's culture, right? Like, hey, it's all about me, FaceTime, take a Snapchat picture. You know, just all about me, all about me, 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 me. I wear the mask to keep myself safe, right? It's the same attitude that we have here in America. Entire in Sidon, also, when King Alexander came in 332 BC, he came uh, to, to uh, end up taking over the Persian Empire. That was his whole goal. And he came to Sidon first. And he said, open up your doors. And they said, no, we won't. And he destroyed Sidon. And then he goes down. These are twin cities. They're about 20 miles apart. He goes to Sidon. Sidon's on a little island. And he says, open up your doors. And they say, no, we won't. And he said, you can't, you can't get to us. The sea, the sea will stop you. And he says, oh, you think the sea will stop me? And he actually fills in the sea. And he, he does an engineering thing where he goes and then he destroys Tyre. So today, that is, uh, this is Lebanon today, the city of Lebanon. And this is still Tyre. They're, they're still around, but they, they've, they've been destroyed several times. And so they, what happened in Tyre and Sidon was the, uh, the king came, an earthly king came, and they didn't accept the earthly king. Well, they had destruction happen to them. Well, Jesus is saying, I'm the greater king. I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. Woe to you, and Woe to you, Bethsaida. So ended up, what ended up happening was Alexander the Great, before he starts his conquest mission, he has a priest in a dream tell him, to go on this mission to destroy the Persians, to take over their kingdom. Well, then he gets to Tyre and Sidon. He destroys them. He ends up going to Jerusalem. He hears news that uh, the, the high priest actually said he was going to side with Darius. And he's, he's furious. He's going to destroy the nation. His men believe he's going to destroy the nation. Well, the, the couple nights before he was there, the high priest in Israel, this is uh, before Christ, 332 B- BC, he has a dream. 
And he has a dream that he's supposed to wear his priestly garments and meet Alexander outside of the city with all the other priests, all the other ministers. And all of the people of the city are to wear white outside of the city. So he does that. He gets them all ready. He, he shows up. Alexander the Great comes walking up to him. And he has his four generals behind him. These four generals, they end up, they, they really want the blood. They want to see him destroy these people. They're, they're bloodthirsty uh, generals, and they're following him. They get up to the city, and he tells them that uh, he, he, he starts to weep, and he actually, Alexander the Great actually kneels before the high priests and worships God. And he says, I had a dream three years ago about this man, this exact man, this high priest. And I was told in the dream that he would tell me what I was supposed to do and what I would conquer and what would happen in my life. So the high priest is surprised by this as any of us would be. And he ends up taking Alexander the Great into the city. And he tells him that in, in Daniel chapter eight, he says, there, there's a ram with two horns and it represents the Medes and the Persians. And then there's a, a shaggy goat with one horn. And that horn in Daniel chapter 8, uh, the angel Gabriel ends up describing that that is the nation of Greece and the first king, Alexander, that he will conquer the ram and that that ram would be no more. And then from that goat, there was four, four horns that of, of nations that would happen. One of those is Rome. And he says, the high priest says, you're the shaggy goat. Alexander Great says, I am the shaggy goat. I believe that this is prophecy being fulfilled, that I'm on a mission from the Lord, that I'm to go and, and bring the Greek, uh, the Greek belief into the rest of the known world. And he says, but these four, these four horns, these four generals are going to overtake your nation and split up the nation to four areas. And that's exactly what happened. And it's Bible prophecy fulfilled. And people say that, that the Bible isn't reliable. These things happen, right? Like the things that are spoken about Tyre and Sidon, they, they, they happened. And the things that, that were spoken about Alexander the Great was prophecy in our Bible that has been fulfilled. So it's an amazing, amazing thing. If you could put that scripture back up for me. Sackcloth and ashes, can you go to the next verse? says, nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. So remember, they had neglected a king that I believe it was selected by God. They neglected that king. And they said, no, we're not going to open up our doors. And unless you open up the doors and let the, the king of glory in, Jesus says the same thing, that there will not be a place for you, that you'll have my wrath. And, and Remember the minas that was given, they, they were told, hey, put them in charge of 10 cities. It's saying, hey, let's put them in charge of people, a populated area. And it's important to remember. He says, more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. They didn't accept a earthly king. And he says, and you, Capernaum, will you not be exalted to heaven? Heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, go to the place of the dead. For if the miracles which had incurred in Sodom and Tyre occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. So he's saying the homosexuals, if they had seen the miracles, they would have repented. And he's saying, I, I came 
I came to these cities. I let you know who I was and you're gonna go to Hades because you didn't accept the king of kings. So, so Jesus could have only come at one time, right? He could have only come for one physical time. And the Bible says that we're all, that we were all planned to be uh, in Acts 17, that we were supposed to be in the area that we were in, that we were born in the area and it was God ordained that, that, that we would live, that we'd all live here in this area. But, uh, but if, if, if they had seen what the king had done, they would, have, they would have repented. It was a detestable sin to the Lord most high, but he's saying, not accepting me is even worse. When I came and you just brushed it off. If you can go to the following verse that I have. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So how they would know a king would be accepted is they would meet him at the doors. Go to the next verse for me, please. Remember, he says, but these enemies of mine at the end of that parable who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here before me and slay them in my presence. We have to remember that the king, the king was doing everything he could do to make peace with all of us. So then what happens is, I went, I went through it, but the triumphal entry happens. Go to the following verse for me, please. So they, they end, he tells them to go get the donkey. They get it, and they brought it here to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the, on the colt and put Jesus on it. Worship team, you can come on up. Next verse. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. Following verse. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, blessed is he, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Next verse. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, that the, if these were become silent, the stones would cry out. Then he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known this day, even you, the things which made for peace. So we think that's a harsh verse that Jesus came and he, he says, slay them before me who don't make me mine. But Jesus came to bring peace. And people might say, well, that's a hard word that Jesus would come and say, if you're not going to serve me, you have to slay. You have to be slayed before me. But I would say this. Think about in heaven. If, if one person who wasn't seen through the lens of the blood of the lamb, the cleansing blood, came into heaven, how long before heaven would be, would be imperfect? Would it be one person? Because one person can ruin the whole thing. His heart is to bring peace. And that's why he wept over the cities. That's why he said, woe to you, because these other cities would have accepted me. He says, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. So Jesus says, he came to bring peace. And what I would say to you is that for all of us, do we see our city like Jesus sees these cities? that he did everything possible to bring peace. 
And all we have to do is invite people to church, share the good news about the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So I would say, one, is, is Jesus your true King? Do you have a, the heart of the King that says that, that, that he is, he's going to, to uh, that he, he's going to love and bless? Could I get some pad? Some a little piano? What Jesus says, he's weep, remember he's weeping over Jerusalem. He says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. So what ends up happening, if you go back to that verse for a moment, what happens is in 70 AD, there's a revolt. The Jews have a revolt against the Romans and they take over the nation of Israel. Well, then Rome comes and says, That's not, we're not gonna let that happen. And they go through town and town. The ones that don't accept them immediately, they kill and destroy. And they get all the way to Jerusalem and they, they surround it by uh, three sides and they attack, they attack basically, Jerusalem was like, uh, had like three rings of walls. It had one, the first ring and then it had, the second ring was the, uh, the temple. And then there was, the, there was another ring in the middle and there was a third ring. Well, they ended up taking the first wall, then the second wall, then the third wall. And it was a seven month battle. And the, the son of, of the king of Rome was so upset by the end of it that he made his men take the stones and throw them to the ground. Following verse. And they will level you, level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave, you, leave in you one stone on another. That's what happened. They tear down the temple. The, the son of the Caesar uh, was so upset that he made them do that. And then because you did not recognize the time of your visitation, and that's key, they didn't recognize. And maybe we recognize and we should recognize, but we need to see people through the lens that Jesus sees, which is he did everything to make peace with us. So I encourage you that this next week to invite people to church. That's all you have to do, just invite them. Maybe they'll come, who knows? Maybe they'll be upset with you, who knows? Then blessings to the king. But let's invite people to church because we want them to know the one who came to bring peace. Because if they don't know the one who came to bring peace and accept him, they'll be slayed before him. And we don't want that for people. We want people to have the opportunity, every single opportunity to come to know the Lord most high. Amen, everybody. These are our neighbors. They're our friends, they're our family, the, the people at the Mexican restaurant, the people at, at the, the workout place here in town in Pendleton the cashier at, at Needler's, right? You should invite people to church. Jesus said in a parable that he told his, his uh, servants to go into the highways and byways to find everyone and bring them in. The gospel's not a hard sell. It's not. It's saying that, that we're, it confronts sin. It says you, you sinned. You were separated from God. You, you've, you've been a sinner, but you need a savior. And I would say that for this Friday, if there's someone who would, uh, would like to see what Jesus did for them, the passion of the Christ is a great way to show them what the king went through for you and for I. And so invite people to Good Friday at 6.30.
Invite people to Easter, have them come. Amen, everybody? We want people to know the King of glory. He did everything to make peace with them. And we're called to be friends to our neighbors, to love those, even our enemies. We don't want them to be hemmed in on every side, like Jerusalem, because you, they get one shot. We all get one shot at this life. And it's not about what we feel for Easter. It's not about, about there, there's a level of that, that yes, like, like we, came to, we come to honor the King who conquered death in the grave, but it's also to tell others. We have to remember that and keep that in our heart. And I know I'm not the pastor of this campus, okay? I, I, I get it. And I know that this is a hard word that, that I'm teaching today. And I don't know any of your hearts. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what, what you believe. I'm just saying it's important. We don't want people to go to hell. We want them to come know the Lord and go to heaven one day. Because the Bible says that, that all of sin have fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6, 20, 23 says the wages of sin is death. And then Hebrews 9, 27 says that, that death brings judgment. We will die one time. And on top of all of this, Jesus said, if there could have been another way, he said, Father, if there's another way for me not to drink from the cup of suffering, may it be. It's the only way. There's not two ways. There's not a way through being a good person. It, it, it's only through the Prince of Peace that they can come, that they can be a part of knowing the Most High. 